Welcome everyone to Contents May Vary. I'm Angie Fiedler-Sutton, talking to geeky people about geeky things. I'm a proud fangirl geek with pieces published in Stage Directions, Den of Geek, The Mary Sue, and more. As fans of my website already know, and if you listened to the last episode, on June 21st, 2022, I participated in a fundraiser for Alzheimer's Association called The Longest Day. I live-streamed interviews from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. to help raise funds for research. One of the people I interviewed that day was Jennifer Scheiman. Bear with the audio. In order to stream it live, I was using a system that was still fairly new to me, so the audio isn't as great as I'd like. My next guest is Jennifer Scheiman. She is a writer and animator. She did the wonderfully hilarious 30-Second Bunnies Theater and is currently working on Worlds in Detective Agency, a middle-aged graphic novel. I've been a fan of hers for a long, long time, and full disclosure, I am a Patreon supporter. Uh, I think at the dollar level, so not a whole lot, but still. (laughs) Jennifer, welcome aboard to Contents May Vary. How you doing? I'm glad to be here, and thanks for having me. As people who are regular listeners to my podcast know, I like origin stories and how you got to where you are. So tell me kind of the origin of how you got into animating and cartooning and kind of that moment where you realized it was more than, quote unquote, just a hobby that you could actually, you know, make a living of this. (laughs) Well, since I was a kid, I've always loved cartoons, comics, storytelling in that way. I find that, you know, as I was growing up, I was kind of directed to have like all my fine art interests were sort of more like a hobby, like they were sort of assigned hobby status, but that was not the way that was going to make a living in the world. So I ended up taking a lot of liberal arts and business classes in my education. But at the same time, I was always trying to find ways to fit animation and drawing and art into that. And after I graduated college, it kind of all fell apart in terms of like sort of this existential crisis of is this all there is? And this kind of sucks a lot. <laughs> and, you know, doing a lot of business-related work, my undergraduate degree is in international political economy and international communication from Boston University, but it was a self-directed program. And so there was still some autonomy there. And along the way, I've always really wanted to do creative work as my life's work. So after graduate school, I was like, I got I to gotta animate. Like, I got to really do this. I had worked on as an animation production assistant in my summers between college years. And I got to learn the whole process with the oldie time equipment, like the Bolex camera and the soundtrack reader. And it was sweaty and (laughs) there was celluloid involved and wiping with the, you know, the spray. So I grew up in Chicago and that is where I had the internship, which turned into sort of a production assistant job. And I worked there on and off for many years and I loved it. But I also wanted to work on my own vision And I loved being part of a bigger process, but I really wanted to tell my own stories. And there was a very particular hierarchy at that studio 
which I found I needed to do my own work. And so that prompted me to start after I got done with graduate school. I wanted to make my first animated short film, and I bartered my labor at the studio with hours that I could use their equipment. Now, at this point, they were getting more computers, and they had, like, a silicon graphics setup. Now, this is, like, like 96, 97, and I finished my first short film, which was about these stuffed animals that I'd had since childhood called Sace the Octopus and Topsy the Turtle. And the short film was called Info Love. It was about this infomercial that they were trying to make. And the process of making that short film was like five years bartering and production. And then came Flash software. Macromedia Flash was available on everybody's desktop. This was like 98. And I started trying to get more work as a graphic designer so that I could earn an income in a way that felt like it was kind of serving my future animation and content goals. So having Flash changed everything for me because I could work anytime. And that was kind of the beginning of maybe a work habit situation where I was just feeling like I am the value of how hard I worked. And I would work my ass off to like get all this animation done. But it was amazing because I had access and I had control of the production. So that was great. However, in Chicago, there was a ceiling of how much I could do as an independent animator, I found, because they do a lot of advertising and marketing, like animation for that kind of work. So for instance, at the studio I worked at, we were doing a lot of serial commercials, you know, animating tricks and lucky charms. And I wanted to do more. I ended up moving out to Los Angeles with my best friend at the end of 2000, because I believed that there was a more perhaps open and creative community that would support independent animation and this digital animation, which was becoming bigger at this point. So I got some work there doing animated e-greetings. Now this is like circa 2002-2003. And what I learned there was how to digitally animate really quickly because we had to make these greetings like just pump them out. It was just like a machine, you know, like like hallmarky greetings similar to that sort of thing. So we were doing you know one or two a day. There was a lot of programming involved within Flash at that time that you could make little games and things like that. The thing is is that the company owned all of the work that I did. You know, non-disclosures and you didn't retain the rights to anything that you made. So if I had made like my own characters, I couldn't take them with me. And that was not good for me. So I, on the side, began wanting to get away from that and go out on my own. And so to that end, I began creating stuff on the side after work hours. And that is sort of how the 32nd Bunnies Theater came to be. The first one I did was The Exorcist in 30 Seconds and Reenacted by Bunnies. And... At that time, forums and sharing was sort of a frontier. There was a gap between the you know, so-called middleman of distribution in the traditional method and now this new frontier of digital content. And in that space, 
there sort of was a perfect, I don't know, storm, good storm <laughs> of creating something that people really responded to and they shared it. You know, what I wanted to do with 30 Second Bunny Theater was make it like sort of a column, like a humor column, except digitally for some sort of organization where I would do one a month or something like that. That's how I envisioned the project. And ultimately it became that because once people started sharing it at that time, now this is like late 2004, mid 2004 that the Exorcist Bunnies happened. I was able to get enough interest that people working that were associated with some of the films I was parodying. So for instance, I did The Exorcist, it got a great response. I did The Shining next, The Shining with Bunnies. The Bunnies reenacted the movie Titanic next. And so as I was doing these, I started hearing from people and then people involved in the films sometimes. And they wanted to do voices with me. And so therefore it started snowballing the interest and then corporations came and they were like, we would like to work with you. And I was able to retain the rights and license the content whereby I then did this. This is my largest body of work and what I'm best known for on and off, like until 2020 in some capacity or other, I have been making over like 95 Bunny shorts. <laughs> now, I hate asking creators how they get their ideas because I know it varies, but how in the heck did you come up with bunnies doing 30-second reenactments? How, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was a brainstorming scenario whereby, I mean, I literally carved out time to brainstorm stuff like this, and I knew I wanted something, I wanted to do a series, first of all, and I wanted to do a, a short series. I wanted to do something entertainment related because of the whole idea of making an online humor column. And then for me personally, I love drawing animals and animating cute things, doing funny stuff. And so out of a sketchbook creative session came the bunnies. And I was just like, well, this is a funny looking character. It was looked very earnest and also like kind of bland and like, and just ready to go to work. So at the time also I was thinking, now setting limitations on a film, you know, trying to tell a story with limits. And so summaries have been done before, but I thought it'd be funny to have it be done by these creatures, you know, and then all of the times that you sit around with your friends, like talking to the movie, that's kind of what I, I thought that could actually work. Now there were some other ideas that I had had and that one, felt like it was the most solid. And so I pitched that. And at the time I was doing a lot of pitching in conjunction with a partner. And often the experience was, well, we've already got, you know, magicians, sharks in space. We need, you know, vampires. You would hear these magical legendary stories that this person walked right in and they just sold it off the bat. And, you know, it was very frustrating to just go back to the drawing board again and again. So having the freedom to kind of throw these ideas out there as I wanted them to be as the best 
I just didn't expect there to be a response. <laughs> that I was not expecting. They're bunnies. Of course there's going to be a response. <laughs> when we finally set this up, I tried to remember how I heard about the 32nd bunnies. And like you said, it was, you know, for better or for worse, a number of years ago. And I can't remember how I heard about it, but I just, I fell in love with the idea. Do you have a favorite or is that like picking a favorite child? Yeah, I think it's like the favorite child. Although I think some of my favorite ones that I would include, it's like some of the ones some extra liberties with. And sometimes they're like little additions, like with Rocky, there's a little band. There was a pet store scene in Rocky. And then like at the very end, the pets from the store do a little band at the end. And I just love like having the freedom to do that. March of the Penguins is one. The Exorcist, for sure. I think my favorite has to be Jaws, only because of the little yeah. bunny ears on the shark. <laughs> now, you do the, the voices as well, right? I do. It Was it just you? My husband also had done them with me, and okay. he's on pretty much everyone. At the time, he was not yet my husband, and that was born of convenience in the beginning with the first ones, because I'm no voice actor, but I play one on TV. <laughs> and to be honest, my actual real favorite is when when it got picked up by stars, you did a couple of quote-unquote interviews with the bunnies <laughs> that yeah. I think are actually are my favorite because they're little divas. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun to try to see what are they like without the movies and originally and I think this is still kind of true like I had seen them as really vessels you know they were solely there to perform and they didn't really have anything on their own and we tried a couple times to extend that and it just never really took off for them to be their own bunnies like they really serve the films that they reenact mm-hmm. Now, that kind of segues into, uh, you, you did about a uh, uh, hundred shorts. You intentionally decided to end it so you wouldn't get burned out, I guess, is the best way to phrase it. Would, am I remembering right? Actually, there's three or four times that I got really burned out and I stepped back. And one of those times was when I got pregnant and had my daughter, who's now 10. Um, <laughs> the real curtain that stopped it for good was the pandemic. Like, I literally just finished up another batch, which was in conjunction with a news gossip television site called Primetimer. And once I finished, I had just finished a Twilight Zone and we were doing television bunnies because I had never done that. And I finished that and then the, the lockdowns rolled out and then I became pandemic parent and that was the end. And it's okay though, because like the, the kind of time that it took me to make a bunny short I just didn't have any more of that kind of time. And also, it's exhausting the way I was doing it. And I liked doing it that way. However, it's just not sustainable for me now. And I could see that coming. Mm. Like, it had been coming for a while. Now, the pandemic did do a good thing, though. And it got you writing and drawing a middle school graphic novel entitled Mm -hmm. World's End Detective Agency. You've been doing updates on the Patreon. Tell me a little bit about kind of the origin of that and how that came about. That was a good thing. This is something that I've been wanting to do, again, since I was a kid. All I've ever wanted to do is tell, like, a long format, tight, full story 
using comics. I love comics so much. Or, you know, do a picture book, something like that. I've always wanted to do that. And the work style and lifestyle that had characterized the way that I work up until the pandemic wasn't serving me anymore. And so I had to really stop, pivot, and make a conscious choice. Like, I have to accept the time that I have right now. I mean, the amount of time that I have to accomplish things, you know, and creative work. So it has been eye-opening and it has been sustainable. And it's been learning a lot and learning to accept the way things are and the amount of time that is available. And it's not always acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) But this book is about newbie detective Avery Bear, who needs to find a missing bag and rescue a town from the evil dragon who also happens to be her client. So the world, I'm very engrossed in it and really enjoying learning about storytelling. The model of working is so much different than making a bunny short because of the length of time. Usually it would take me about four to six weeks to make a complete bunny short from start to finish. And I have been working on World's End Detective Agency for the last couple years. This is like entering year three. And I'm on page 80 of the first draft, which I'm very excited about out of like 200-ish pages. It's taking way longer than anything I've ever worked on. And I am trying to stay with that and give myself the space to be a beginner and to learn without shame and to learn without beating myself up because I have always been having a hard time doing things like making mistakes and having it be okay to not do everything perfect the first time. Since this is a very specific idea, can you tell me a little bit about kind of where you got the idea and and how it came about? Again, it was a session sat down to brainstorm. I wanted it to be something with animals. I love drawing. I wanted it to be something like a mystery. I love mysteries. I wanted it to be also fantasy. And so with that in mind, I also like kind of wanted to process what I've been feeling about the world, current events, but also I didn't want to make it all about that either. So all these things I thought about when I came up with the idea, and then I made a conscious choice to land on it and stay with it and not go to other shiny project over here, which is really super hard, (laughs) especially when I get stuck. So it's kind of like I'm doing my self-directed PhD in comics, and this is my dissertation, World's End Agency. Hi, I'm Elisa. I'm the creator of Dr. Puppet, and I'm geeking out with Angie Fiedler Sutton. Uh, Thank you so much for watching my videos, and thank you for listening. Want to support the podcast and my website? Be sure to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you use, as well as podchaser.com. You can also support me financially through my coffee account. You can find me there and on various other social media platforms with the handle Angie F. Sutton. Finally, be sure to sign up for my monthly newsletter and see links to my social media and all the places you can listen to this podcast over at my newly redesigned website, AngieFSutton.com. And now, back to my interview with Jennifer Scheiman.
Now, one of the things I've been finding fascinating about your Patreon is that you've been giving some kind of behind the scenes of your world building. You're putting a lot of thought, a lot of effort into this. Do you see this being like more than one novel? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I would love to. If I, like every time I get an idea for like, wow, this would be a great next story. I try to like take it. I'm like, that's true. And I'm going to put it over here so that I don't start working on this one. But yeah, it is. It's also like, you know, the relationship of sharing and the way that that happens between a creator and an audience member, viewer, reader, patron is, you know, ever changing right now too with being burned out on technology, but also technology is bringing us all together in a way that I could, you know, beyond my wildest dreams. I love being able to connect with people globally, audience-wise and sharing-wise. So it's hard to know what to share and what not to share. And that's kind of always changing as well prior to releasing the final sharing thing. Because of your background, have you thought about whether or not you want to eventually turn this into an animated thing? Oh boy, I really do miss animating stuff and I miss having the kind of time needed to do it. So eventually that time will return. And (laughs) my husband had an excellent idea for an animation that could take me all of like less than an hour to do, which I may still do. I'm going to keep it secret for now, but it's kind of like on the scale of, I don't know if you ever saw this, the Spike and Mike animation festivals, there was a short called Bambi versus Godzilla. Okay. And it was like this beautiful, you know, and like Bambi is like enjoying some plants in the forest. And then this giant lizard like leg comes down. It's like crashes him at the end. Like it's like that kind of short thing. So I'm kind of yearning to do that, like find some time to do that kind of a animation. But it's possible that I would animate stuff from World's End and possibly animate more bunny stuff when that kind of time returns. What do you say is your biggest influences as a animator? Bill Plimpton is one of my animation heroes. He's an independent animator that I've admired always. Linda Berry is also my hero of comics and creating and therefore animation because I feel like that art of seeing imbues itself in the animation as well as still comic images. And what would you say is the hardest part, either of animating or of drawing your book? I'm going to start with the book one because that's where I'm the most stuck most often right now. (laughs) Man, it's hard. It is hard. All kinds of hard. Trying to not hit you over the head with the exposition stick like trying to explain things visually and it's also really cool because there's so many ways you can do that and i love how there are film elements that also apply to comics and graphic novel work how things are seen and arranged to give and show and communicate clearly the story. So the things I'm getting stuck on are writing things because I have never done it before. And so trying to connect readers with the main characters, that's always been, I think, my biggest challenge because I always sort of feel like I dance around the personality of the characters and I get the main characters and get really caught up in the secondary ones. And I don't know what that's about. 
And so I'm trying to explore that. What are the tools you are currently using? Is it all computer or do you do stuff out in physical world or is it a little bit of both? It's both. I really, I really like in a sensory way, I really prefer the physical manual, you know, drawing on paper. That feels really good to me. The tactileness. But I also really love coloring digitally. And so right now I am exploring the software Clip Studio EX. I wish I could make my old system last forever because I love Flash for animation. Um, I know that Adobe has taken it to Adobe Animate. I'm still a little leery about the subscription-based scenarios, but I haven't gotten there yet. Like I'm totally waiting to see what happens next. (laughs) Yeah, last Flash is no more. (laughs) R.I.P. Like... But yeah, it's sort of like, I always look for the tool that will help me meet whatever I need at the time. I'll find what will work best. But right now, like I work on MacBook and I'm using their writing pages to do the script, you know. Um, So it's very like lo-fi. Now, I'm looking over your website. It says you've taught comic art workshops without, you know, giving every secret away. What would you say is one of the things that you tell people who are maybe wanting to get into this? Mm-hmm. I think that comics is such an amazing medium to tell your own story and express inner life. And so for kids who do not have an outlet to express their inner life, using comics to do that is so powerful and empowering to be able to communicate that way and share those kind of thoughts visually can feel amazing. Now, what is the easiest part of what you're working on? (laughs) Let me think about that. I think touching the world, being immersed in the world, and it's not always easy. I think there's a... The thing about Linda Berry and her lessons on making comics are to return to a place before we as individuals judged our own stuff and to experience the joy that we can get from being in that place mentally is everything. And I spend a lot of time trying to feel that place and being in that, and it's easier and easier. Like the more I remember what it's like, and I could do it right now. And it's just, it's an applied skill. For me, it takes practice, like anything, like trying to practice using a tool. To be in that place and to sit in that space and have the story come from that place, I am trying to protect that above all else. Okay. And looking over your, uh, still looking over your website, it says you hold a BA in international political economy. What were you going to be if you weren't going to be a cartoonist and animator? (laughs) I actually, at one point, before I graduated college, I interviewed CIA. (laughs) Ooh. And I did not, obviously, I did not go that direction. Unless this is really deep undercover. (laughs) Or, yes, exactly. (laughs) I was thinking about going into organizational development and marketing. When I left graduate school, I had studied media where I was watching kids utilize at that time playing computer games and working with them and watch how they absorbed information and 
media messages and ideological messages. And when I left that, I thought I would then work in that industry of kids and edutainment. At which point, uh, when I got out of I was like, actually, I want to make content. I don't want to analyze the content. I don't want to research the content. I don't want to administer the content. I want to be creating it. I can't do it any other way. And that was where it all shifted. But all that business education was good for me because I knew what I needed to do in order to get the best terms for me as a creator. So it was good in a lot of ways. Now, do you have a specific schedule or do you just kind of every day is different in terms of what you decide to to work on and how you work? I think that's maybe part of the hardest challenge of this these days is everything every day I think I have a schedule and often it's not that way so for whatever reason I'll have a day where I'm like okay here's what's going to happen boom 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 inevitably especially like these last couple years it just doesn't go down that way so I've had to be super flexible and pivoty to go along but the thing about this project World's End is it's so portable and modular and mobile so that if I needed to, I might be able to take a couple hours to work on it here or there if something came up and I couldn't work on it earlier. Maybe I can get 15 minutes done. And then we already talked about, you know, you were getting burnt out of the, the bunnies and whatnot. For your current work, what do you, how do you refill your creative well? Do you watch stuff? Do you read stuff? Do you go for walks? How do you refresh yourself? <laughs> I've really like needed to refresh. There's been a lot of refreshing. <laughs> in my 20s, I got super interested in gardening and then I left it behind for a long time. But again, pandemic and I got back into it and gardening has saved my life. Literally saved my life. <laughs> I get so much meditation from trying to be the steward of the plot of land that we are on. And just seeing things grow, that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm thinking I'll probably be working on the book another year, year and a half to, or maybe like hopefully get the draft finished in the next six to eight months. And I guess the one thing I'd like to mention is that this time, like in this project, I'm really trying to take care, give care to this idea Stephen King is also like one of my heroes of writing and also I love his work so much. I'm a huge horror fan. That's why I picked The Exorcist for the bunny, the very first bunny short. And I remember that he really keeps his first drafts close and just makes it a dump. And I'm trying to do the same thing, but also you know, if I find myself getting too kind of finished with craft because it's easy to get stuck and distracted and like, oh, I got to research the medieval, you know, wind currents and there might be a mountain here, but it's really easy for me to do that because I want it to be right. And so I'm remembering Stephen King and he just dumps it out. So I'm trying to go back to that and work that way until the draft is done. Then I will look for feedback and then I will have it edited. And so trying to find community and also stay protective about the concept and also like share is a balancing act that I'm trying to explore, figure out. You mentioned a husband and a child. How involved are they in your creative process? They've been very involved. 
I mean, Doug was bunny voice extraordinaire and so supportive, so supportive. I am eternally grateful for his support. Our daughter, Ellery, she is also just prolifically making creative stuff. I'm hoping that she does not judge herself too harshly, and I'm trying to model that for her. Since you are obviously doing the drawings as well as the writing, do you feel one comes to you easier than the other, or they kind of come at both? Talk a little bit about that process. You know, I, I think I do... I would consider myself a writer, you know, when I think about it. And so in some ways, storytelling is challenging for me. I think writing, maybe less so, although I do find it takes me a lot of time to articulate stuff. And drawing feels a lot more organic. I think that, you know, a challenge would be trying to keep the energy of the things that I draw and keeping that energy to the final art. With the writing, the challenge is more in the crafting of what's getting said, I guess. But I think they work in conjunction, and I think I need them both. Where can people go to find out more about you before we get into the lightning round? You may check out uh, angryalien.com, Jennifer Scheiman, which is s-h-i-m-a-n dot com also i have a patreon it's patreon.com slash 30 second buddies and that's for supporting the world's end detective agency process if you want to know the blow by blow and then my instagram is all one word world's end detective agency What are you currently geeking out about? Is there a show, movie, song, whatever that you just can't stop talking about? And if so, what and why? Oh, let me think. I'm really loving the music of They Might Be Giants uh, for kids. I have always admired their body of work. But when I discovered their kids' songs, especially their two albums, one is No... And the other is why. (laughs) Not only are the lyrics genius, but the music, the melodies are just sublime. I mean, they are beautiful. It just captures everything that's good about childhood. That is childhood life, inner child life. My podcast was originally Geek Out with Angie Fiedler Sutton, then I rebranded to Contents May Vary. When I decided to do that, I also decided to kind of do a rebranding of the podcast overall and decided I'd end on what I've nicknamed the Lightning Round. It's kind of like the Inside the Actor's Studio questionnaire at the end, but a lot more silly. <laughs> so these are all just silly questions that I've randomized. So, favorite or lucky number? Five, three, two. Ooh. What's your comfort movie? I would say Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite color? Orange. What is your favorite time of day? Mm, five to six a.m. Who would you want to play you in a movie about your life? A bunny. <laughs> uh, do you know what you were almost named when you were born? Yeah, I actually looked into that. Um, Jillian. I was almost a Jillian. Interesting. Uh, Would you rather see Captain Kirk become a Jedi or Luke Skywalker become captain of the Enterprise? Yes. 
Both. I see all of them. <laughs> Favorite smell? Favorite smell. Um, there's this lemon mint marigold in my garden right now that is amazing. Uh, who's your favorite James Bond? The bunny bond. <laughs> <laughs> when putting on trousers slash pants, do you button and zip or zip then button? I'm trying to eliminate all buttons and zippers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were a superhero or villain, what would what power would you want? I would like the power to get people to accept each other and coexist. My theater fun one. How do you solve a problem, Mike Maria? <laughs> uh, the transitive property is a good start. <laughs> <laughs> favorite meal? Love sushi. Okay. Do you have a favorite superstition and or conspiracy theory? You don't have to believe in it, but just one that you really <laughs> like. Everything is run by mice. (laughs) What's your favorite curse word, if you have one? I've been getting really creative with curses because my daughter has been telling me language. (laughs) But actually, when she was born, I wanted to curse more creatively. So things like mother, father. Do you believe Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare? Well, until I have reason not to, I guess. Okay, and then finally, what is your favorite stove burner? Upper left, lower left, upper right, lower right. It's the front right. (laughs) Um, It's just a very good burger, and I enjoy that one. (laughs) (laughs) I know all the bunny shorts are on your website. They're all available without any ads on angryalien.com. It's the best to watch them there. And I highly recommend them. They are a hoot, as I like to say. I'm a huge fan from... I want to say I got in fairly early. You'd only done a couple of them when I I discovered you. Um, And I just... They they are they're they're, they're my go to when I'm having a bad day. <laughs> and, thank you. Uh, and That's all I ever wanted. So thank you. Captain Howdy, that isn't very nice. I think I've lost my faith, Tom. It's just nerves. Mother! The problem with your daughter is not her bed; it's her brain. <laughs> is there someone inside you? Sometimes. Just help her. Ah, Father who art in heaven. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Take me! Nee, 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 If you're interested in donating to my Alzheimer's, my fundraising link is, alas, always active and can be found on my website in the show notes for this episode. Thanks also to Alyssa Stern of Dr. Puppet for the mid-show plug. You can hear her interview in episode 46. My next episode will be another one of the interviews from The Longest Day. Mickey Weisberg, a VFX coordinator who worked on the new Interview with a Vampire, among other projects. Also, as mentioned in last episode... I've started adding transcriptions to early podcasts on my website to help those who are hearing impaired. This is Angie Fiedler-Sutton. From one-on-one interviews to red carpets and conventions to roundtable discussions, I bring you a little bit of everything. After all, contents may vary. Thanks for listening to Contents May Vary. The theme song is Schoolyard Haze by Yari Picknickin, available via the Free Music Archive. More information about the podcast is available on my website, angiefsutton.com. <laughs>